So good to be here. I even got an, inter- an invitation without Matt and Sarah being here, so that means that's got it's got to be good, right? It's got to be great. Speaking of songs, I love that last song that we that we sung. I think I don't know how long we've been singing that song. Has it been a year? Has it been about a year? <clears throat> I would say for me, um, in in doing this for, I guess some period of time. I think that's probably one of the most anointed songs I've heard in a long, long time. Um, I don't know exactly what it is, but there is something about leaving the 99 and going after the one. And every room and every church I've been in um, that we've had the opportunity to sing that song, I, I just I feel the dynamics of the room change a little bit. I don't know could just be me. But do you feel it? There's something on that song. There's something of God on that song. So if you, if you will, I'd like to talk just about that this morning. I feel to talk about that. If you have your Bibles uh, with you this morning, I will invite you to turn with me uh, to the book of Luke chapter 15. I'm going to stay there. I'm not going to go anywhere other than Luke chapter 15. Great chapter. It's, um, well, I guess a collection of stories, a collection of parables that Jesus uses, um, one about lost sheep, one about lost money, and one about a lost son, which we would know to be as a, the prodigal. Coincidentally, all of these three parables end with parties and homes. Yeah, Jesus is actually into house parties. It is, it's true. It is true that the Lord loves house parties. Luke chapter 15, three stories, and they all end in the exact same fashion, and that's with a celebration. I just want to read this scripture to us because I feel like after, we, after we've sung the song, I, just, I feel like if we could just bring a little bit of context to what we're singing, maybe that maybe would be helpful. I've just really thought a lot about that text since I've, had the opportunity to sing the song for so long. Uh, And the scripture says this in Luke chapter 15. Are you guys there? Good. I'm kind of an ESV guy. I don't know. I'm kind of a New Living guy, kind of an English Standard Version guy. But today I have it in the ESV, and it says this. It says, Now tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners, and he eats with them. Now, it's important to stop there because this sometimes can go by so fast when we're reading it, but the Bible says that both tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to Jesus, and he was preaching to them. That Jesus was working the 10-step program with the tax collectors and the sinners. No. No. It doesn't, it doesn't say that. It actually says that Jesus was eating with them. He was building with them. He was breaking bread with those people. The message translation says, those with doubtful reputations. So if you think about it, 
Jesus is sitting around the table. He's breaking bread with sinners and, and tax collectors, those with doubtful reputations. That means that he was uh, sitting around with men and women with, 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 with issues, ladies with interesting professions, thieves, liars, drug dealers, chain smokers, Democrats, Republicans. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. They were all there. They, well, that got a little bit of a rise. They were all stand they were all gathering near Jesus because they all wanted to have the ability to share this meal with the rabbi. It says that they were all gathering around Jesus. And, and then people started to grumble. People started to growl. People were like, why in the world would he be doing such a thing? And so the Bible goes on to tell us, and he says, so he told them this parable. He says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country? And go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he is found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents other than 99 who need no repentance. Father, we thank you right now. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. And Holy Spirit, in the time that we have left, please just apply your word to our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody say, amen. Amen. Great story. I think, I think sometimes if we've been around church circles for a long time, we can read that story because we've all read Luke 15. We know it. It's about sheep, lost coin, prodigal son. We've read it. We've skimmed through those pages a hundred times. We've heard this story over and over and over. But just a couple of observations this morning in a story that I'm sure that we know, that we've heard. But just I want to just try to see if we can just bring just a little bit fresh revelation. See if we can't just challenge our worldview. Is that okay? Sometimes it's okay to let that by let the word of God do its work and start to challenge us a little bit. We have to be able to some uh, to look at scripture because it's very much like an onion the Bible can be. And so what I see a lot of the times is it's just layered. The Bible is very very layered in its text. So at times you have to be able to peel away the surface because there's always a message in the message. It's just the way, it's just the way because it's God inspired. It's Holy Spirit written. So there's message after message in the text. A couple of questions that I've asked myself um, with this story. And you can write this question down. This is a great question. Um, the, The question is, where is my position? Would I be a sitter or would I be a stander. Kind of a funny way to say it, but if you think about what happened here, it says, now all the tax collectors and the sinners were drawing near to him. 
And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, Well, this man receives sinners, and he eats with them. Where would I be in this circle? Where would I be? Because if you can see, there's a table, and they're all sitting around the table, and there's these Pharisees and scribes saying, why would he do that? Why would you eat with them? Who does he think? He, does he know where they've been? Do you know where they've done? Do you know the reputation they have in this town? And it's very easy to get to this, to, to switch positions because scribes and Pharisees, I believe that they just get a bad rap. I mean, they're just church folk. They're just pastors and deacons and ministry gifts and people who know the word of God. And sometimes I I think the Bible starts to paint them in, in, in such a bad light. But all they really know was the text and they knew God's word and they just they were just trying to be expressive and and trying to follow suit but I mean I, I, I do that you know what this needs to get right this situation is just not good at all those people really need to clean themselves up You know what they need? They need a good talking to. I'll tell you what. If you hang out with those type of people, you're going to find yourself in a real bad situation. Has anybody ever been there? Has anybody ever said that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I, I think I, I go through this all all of the time and I have teenage daughters so I say this all the time. I'm like, why what, what? You want to hang out with who? No, no, no. You may not hang out with them because you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. And so a lot of the times you can see, and it's just, it's a slight little shift. It's a slight little shift. In church folk, we do this all the time. We just, can, we just start to take ourselves out of that circle, and we start to get back to this circle and say, you know what? They got issues. Why would you eat with them? And so what that song does for me is it makes me recalibrate my questions about where am I in this story? Where would I be? If you do the crime, you're going to do the time. Jesus, bad idea, bad mistake. Am I sitting or am I standing? But see, Jesus... See, Jesus is so good, so good, and it's just, it's kind of like those, how those positions change all of the time. Like, so, uh, and, and we just do this as church folks. Like, a couple of weeks ago, I was preaching, uh, I don't know where I was. Oh, somewhere. It was a good message, too. 
But I was talking about Peter in prison, and I think it's in the, in the book of Acts, and I was talking about Peter in prison. And I was talking about how in situations when we're really being tested and we're really in trials, that we have to remain cool, calm, and collective. That was Peter in the prison in Acts. He was just cool, he was calm, and then all of a sudden the gates flew open, and Peter was let out of prison, and, and it was a success in his story. And I was like, you know what? When the pressure's on, we just have to be cool, and we have to be calm. That was on Sunday. So what happened on Monday is, is everything collapsed. Have you ever had that day? So um, I wake up Monday, and uh, well, the car's broken, and the job's going bad, and uh, I probably tripped, stubbed my toe, hurt my, hurt my foot. Um, I'm just in a bad mood. And if you can't tell, I'm a little bit of a reactor. I'm a little bit unstable. And, and, and I was just having a bad, bad day. I was not cool. I was not calm. And I was not collected. I was like, everything's, gonna, everything's going down. Like, I'm the type of guy that if I have a flat tire on my car, I could probably spin it to the point of, I need to sell this. It's definitely trashed. Um, and, and, so, and so, well, I'm married. And... Um, Here's how this went. Um, Heidi said, can I speak to you real quick? And I said, yeah, uh, yeah, what would you like to talk about? She goes, I want to talk about that message you preached yesterday. About being cool and calm and collective. I said, yeah, it was good, wasn't it? That was, she was like, I think that message could have been for you. I was like, oh, come on, come on. That was for the people. Come on. And then I felt the Holy Spirit say, it was for you. And I said, come on, Lord, I work for you. I, I mean, I mean, what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean? And sometimes you just have to be able to change that perspective and say, you know what? Don't ever get too far removed from what you're talking about or the stories that you're reading because they'll come back and they'll slap back and get you really, really quickly. And then I was like, oh, okay, it's just not me and you, Lord. I'm actually part of this process as well. I remember, you know, I remember when it was me in that circle. I remember when it was me around that table. I remember just not too long ago, it was, it was me that the other people could have been grumbling about. And so we just have to be reminded ever so often that, oh, where am I? Am I standing or am I still relating to those that are sitting? You know, it's much better to listen than to always talk. It makes sense. It's, it's always better to draw near than to stand at a distance. It, it, it's always good to evaluate the positions that we're in. The world outlook can sneak up on you so fast that you don't even have time to change. And so Jesus is this brilliant in this situation. Obviously, he always is. But if you can see this situation, let's say you got 12 people around the table. He's like, guys, so glad you're here. Let's, let's break bread. Let's have some wine together. Let, let's, let's just really share life, and I want to get to know you. And boy, these people are not happy. So listen what he says here. He uses this idea of a hundred sheep. 
So he puts great numeric value all of a sudden in this situation because if you read Luke chapter 15, it's about one lost coin and it's about one lost son. But Jesus here wants to put great emphasis on the situation, so he says, well, which one of you having a hundred sheep? So basically what he's saying here is the Bible says, what man of you? having a hundred sheep. But, but, but in, in our terminology, it would have been like this. Well, wouldn't you? Because you know like I know. So let me ask you, wouldn't you? Because you, you think like I think, right? I bet it got real quiet. Real quiet. Wouldn't you, having a hundred sheep, if you lost one of them, Wouldn't you go off and leave the 99? Wouldn't you? And wouldn't you just go after the one? Wouldn't you? Well, do you know the answer to that question? The answer to that question is no. You would not. That is ridiculous. Nobody is going to leave 99 sheep and chase down the one. But he's got him pinned in now. He's real pinned in. If you had 100 sheep, would you leave the 99 in the open country and just go chase the one for a couple of hours, for a couple of days? Wouldn't you just, wouldn't you go after that? You could just, you could just tell the room was now at pin drop silence. And, 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 I don't, and I don't know too much about sheep. Surprise. <laughs> I don't. But I don't believe uh, they're the smartest animal. I don't believe they're the fastest animal. I don't believe that they're very good at protecting themselves. I, I, they don't do too much. They're not very smart. They're not like dogs or anything like this. And... What I do know is that sheep back then, well, they were like Chase Bank. Right? Like, that was like fifth third. That's the checking account, the debit account, the savings account. That's everything. Be- the, the sheep were, that was the money. You need the sheep. That was the livelihood. That was full food, wool, clothing, banking. Fi- that's my... That's my 401k right over here in the field. And now what Jesus is basically saying is saying, hey, if you had $100 and you lost a dollar in the gas station, would, would you leave your $99 on the table at McDonald's while you walk down the street to get your dollar at the gas station? Anybody? No, of course not. That is just that. That's just that's ridiculous. And and I don't know about counting sheep, but I don't like to count anything in a hundred. That would be insanity. Have you ever counting to a hundred is kind of tedious. It takes a minute. Counting to a hundred with things that move around. How does he even know that one is missing? Right. I mean, what do you, you go like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 
I mean, I don't, you, you end up having to start over by the time that you even get finished because I just, I'm, it's, it's a lot of work to count 100 sheep and then to know that the 99 is still good, but the one is lost. You know that God is so specific in his detail. That's what the story starts to do, that every hair on your head is numbered, that there's a plan and there's a purpose and there's a direction just for you. See, when it comes to Jesus, he always counts in ones, while we would just simply just round off. Eighty-five, nine, hundred. Yep, looks good to me, but not God. He always counts in ones. There's great significance in the story because it means that your life and your destiny and you have a great purpose because you are numbered in heaven. And so he starts to shut this party down in a very quick way. Well, it's great. I'm glad that you're, I'm glad that you disapprove. Wouldn't you, if you had a hundred sheep and you lost one, wouldn't you Go and chase the one and leave the 99. No. That is absurd. You would not do that. And so then he just goes on and he's just putting them in a bad situation. And he says to this, he starts to talk about his shoulders. And this is very significant. And he says, and when the shepherd goes and finds the sheep, he puts him on his shoulder, and he, when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he starts to throw a big celebration. So visually here, we see that this, this picture of Jesus with a sheep on his shoulders, well, this is kind of a universal sign for Christianity. It was a universal sign for Christianity for about four years hundred years and i'm sure that we've all seen the pictures of the shepherd with the sheep on his shoulders so that was like this universal sign now i remember thinking about shoulders like i remember when i was young i i'm sure many of us have had this experience but we used to go to like ball games or go to like the tigers game or go to the parades or all this stuff but when you're short have you ever had this happen, like been in massive crowds and being like really short? You just like look at people's butts all day. It's just, this is like, <laughs> this is a bad place to be. <laughs> okay, I won't say any more. Um, but I remember this happening to, to my brother and I several times. But my dad is a tall guy. He's a tall dude, taller than me. I think he's probably like 6'4", six, 6'5". Now, I always remember going to these parades or ball games, and my dad used to take us, and he'd put us up on his shoulder, and I'd, like, put my hands on his head like that. And and it was always so cool because your vantage point just always changed when when you had that height and you had that ability. You could just see everything. You just felt safe when you were on your dad's shoulders. And, and and then, you know, I had a brother, and he used to get a turn, too, which was disappointing. But um, it just it changed everything. And there's something about 
strength and there's something about grace and there's something about mercy when you're on someone's shoulders. I just will never forget that from my childhood. Isaac Newton, uh, one of his famous quotes, he says, I've never seen further, I've seen further than others and it's by standing on the shoulders of giants. So, there is this idea of shoulders being a great strength in the Bible. So Jesus, you can see how he's working here. Is this getting to be, a, he's really giving him a lesson and it's happening very quickly. Well, I'm sure you would just leave your 99 and go after the one because I would, wouldn't you? Uh, I don't know. And then he goes, but he, I'll go and I'll grab it and I'll put it on my shoulders. Now what's interesting in the Bible, and this is where the Bible gets very layered, but you can actually start to tell the story of the Bible when you talk about shoulders. What? Yeah, of course you can. See, because in the book of Genesis, um, the two sons of Noah, Sham and Japheth, they covered their shoulders with a garment and they walked backwards to cover the nakedness of their father Noah. And then in the story of Abraham, as he dismissed Hagar and his, her son Ishmael, he said that he laid upon his shoulder, her shoulders bread and water. In the story of Exodus of God's people out of the darkness of Egypt that Passover night, they started to bear one another on each other's shoulders. Do you remember the Philistines? They put the Ark of the Covenant on a wagon and then Uzziah touched it and died, well, it was supposed to be carried on the shoulders of men. In the book of Joshua, when they came into the land of Canaan and they crossed the river Jordan, they each took 12 stones and put them on their shoulders and placed it into the land. See, the great story of Samson, which is a tragical story, but Samson, he actually pulled the gates down of the city because they were hooked to his shoulders. Then you get all the way to the book of Isaiah, and he starts to prophesy. Isaiah says, you know, for us, a son is born and to us a son is given and the world will be on his of course and the government will be on his shoulders so what jesus says very quickly right here is i will take the lamb i will take the sheep and put him on my shoulders the same shoulders that the world and the galaxies and the planets were formed from the same shoulders that the world sits on is the same shoulders that i'll put one of these people on And then it goes very quiet. Because the shepherd's shoulders are the same shoulders that have been there from the beginning of time. And of course I'll leave my 99 and go after the one. Of course I will. Is it reckless? Well, a little bit. It really is. And people kind of have a problem with it. That's the problem of the song, is people have taken the song, which is a very good song, and they said, well, how can God be reckless? But as you start to break it down, it really is some reckless kind of acts. And he's unaffected because he's God. But when you start to put him in human terms of what we would do this starts to feel very out of the box for us because we don't like to invite sinners in. We don't like to leave all of our money in one place and go after the penny that we miss back here. We don't like to, we just don't like to put ourselves at great risk. But what this story is saying is that God has risked everything for us. <laughs> everything. 
That's just who he is. That's, that's just who he is. And, 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 and what I like here, and my most favorite part about the story is that when he goes and he finds the sheep, he just restores them back to community. And this is very important because he doesn't get the lost sheep and say, you know what, this is the 30th time that I've left everything and come to find you. He doesn't put them on blast. He doesn't air his dirty laundry. He doesn't say, hey, he's been caught up in drugs and sexual immorality and he's been caught with lying and stealing and, and use of this. He, he, he's, he's bad. He, he's wasteful. He spent all the money. No, it doesn't say any of that. It just says he was lost. And he restores them back fully. What I've done before it said, yep, there they are again. And then we have a tendency to start to air a little bit of the dirty laundry. Well, you know what they did? Mm-hmm. They did it again. Mm-hmm. Three times now. Mm-hmm. No, not Jesus. You just restored 100% back fully. That's the grace of God. That's the recklessness of God. That is the model for reaching people all around us. It's hard. I know it really is. I'm just busting truth right now. And and if it's quiet, that's fine. But I've been caught. I've been caught doing this too many times because I'm surrounded by sinners and it's very easy for me to kind of get on my stool once in a while and say, oh, I'm glad I'm not like them. <laughs> but really, we all are a little bit. You know, now we are not sinners. We are saints. We have been washed in the blood of Jesus. Once you confess Jesus as Lord, you've had your time before the throne. That's it. Paul writes to the Philippians, to the Corinthians, to those in Ephesus. He writes to the saints, not to the sinners. Right. Those who are in Christ are 100% redeemed, and that is not of our nature. However, we all have a little bit of that old man in us. It's not who we are, but trust me. We've all messed up recently. Hello. Not a shocker. It doesn't take us very long to get from sitting to standing. From standing back to this table here today. It's it's life. That's what happens. That's what happens. And, and I think that we just need to embrace this recklessness. You, you, you break down every wall. You scale every mountain. But it just kind of brings this awareness to us that next time that we're in this situation, that we're at the gas station, grocery store, Walmart, school, teaching, work, and we encounter somebody, it, it, it's good to look through this type of lens and say, no, God will chase you down. 
God loves you. He's redeeming. He's not airing your dirty laundry. He's just in love with you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. And, and that, that, that kind of shifts my attitude, and this song helped do it. It just is amazing to think, hold on, shoulders all the way through the Bible, and, 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 and those are the shoulders that ultimately 20 years ago picked me up. Picked you up. You remember that day that you said, I just don't have a relationship with Jesus. That was the day ultimately that you took that ride on those shoulders. And, and it's just good to be reminded. It's just good to be reminded because the longer you, the longer you do this church thing, sometimes the further you can be removed from the people that Jesus is actually trying to win. No con, there's no shame in that. It's not shame on you, it's shame off you. Don't, please don't overthink about it because, again, I think that we all have put ourselves in that position to say, yeah, I wish they were more like me. <laughs> Clearly they're not yet. Uh, right? right? We kind of can get that little bit of an attitude once in a while, like, Wow, I'm so cool and calm and collected. They're not. <laughs> Don't hang out with them. And I think God is like, boy, you better watch yourself. I'll put something on you real fast. And, and I've just been there. And I've seen in our campus, we have we've really tried to take this posture with our outreach and our trying to really do life and get people in our home, not people that we usually have in our home. And we're just trying to expand our horizons and our borders. And, and what we see is there's, God's doing something and there's growth. And I believe every time I come to this city, every time I pull through Hesperia, I don't, I think it's just God, but I always have a rise of faith when I drive through this city. Call me crazy. Call me whatever, but I honestly believe that God wants to do something. I think he obviously is doing something, but I think, I really believe that he really, really wants to continue to expand and do something in this area. He's got the best people in the world already on board.